Hi, my name is Ante Jovancic and welcome to Artists with Andy. So today I'm sharing the first video in this new series that I envisioned and that I provisionally titled What I Have Learned From. And actually I introduced this video a little bit, this series I mean a little bit, in my first video titled, well, What I Have Learned From. I mean, I was thinking like who could be the first person that I should share in this new series and a name popped into my mind, um, Augustine. Because Augustine has really been one of those thinkers who has loomed very significantly over my life, my thinking, and my writing, and also in my teaching. As a matter of fact, for a number of years, for many years, I used to teach a class in the honors program here at Andrews University titled Western Heritage, where we examine some of the canonical writings in Western intellectual history and Augustine's Confessions was one of those texts. And I really, really enjoyed not just teaching, but always rereading Confessions. Now, the Confessions itself is a remarkable book, a very interesting book. As a matter of fact, it is very difficult to classify it. What kind of a book is this? Is this meant to be an autobiography? Well, not really. It is to a certain degree, right? But not completely. It's not quite only that. Is it meant to be a spiritual journal? Yes, to a significant degree, but not only that. It doesn't really fit any specific genre. Uh, my professor who used to teach in Augustine once mentioned, uh, described the Confessions as basically an overheard conversation. And I really like this term, right? Because that is what the Confessions are. We have the privilege, kind of, of overhearing Augustine's conversation or extended prayer dialogue that he has with God. So it's really a fabulous book. And the book, The Confessions, is really significant for a number of reasons. One of the reasons is that here we see really a beautiful articulation of introspective consciousness. As a matter of fact, there's nothing like that in antiquity. Charles Taylor, who wrote the book, The Sources of the Self, has a very nice contrast comparison between Augustine and Descartes. In Augustine, we have this going insight in searching for himself, who he is, but also searching for God. But then he goes outside, outside of himself, decenters himself, so to speak, and ends up in praising God and worshiping God. Descartes, on the other hand, at least according to Charles Taylor's argument, goes inside and gets stuck inside, right? So here you have this idea of this turn to the subject where the locus of authority has been replaced from God and tradition to the human subject, to the autonomy of human reason, right? So this is kind of very interesting contrast, especially given that Descartes himself was very much influenced by Augustine. But setting this aside, setting this aside, there's like one thing in the book of all the many things that always fascinated me. It is so deeply interesting. And it is found in book three of the book, The Confessions. And I want to share this with you and then explain why this is so significant. So the subtitle here is The Quest for Wisdom Cicero's Hortensius. And this is what Augustine writes.
In the customary course of study, I had discovered a book by an author called Cicero, whose language is almost universally admired, though not its inner spring. This book of his is called Hortensius and contains an exhortation to philosophy. The book changed my life and my way of feeling and the character of my prayers to you, O Lord, for under its influence, my petitions and desires altered. So here's the setting for this, right? So Augustine is a young person, a student, who has to a significant degree left behind the Christian environment of his home. He's not really more anymore uh, Christian in the sense of practicing it, at least. He is exploring all kinds of different ideas, living a very, you know, partying sort of life, promiscuous life. So religion is not at the forefront of his considerations for sure. Kind of a, a track, a journey that many people follow in their lives, right? Once they leave their home and start studying and then all kinds of things are happening. So this is who Augustine is. And so he picks up this book and suddenly something happens, right? He reads about philosophy, which is the love of wisdom, and something gets triggered. A new desire, right? A desire for a different life, for something more than simply partying and simply living out and pursuing the pleasure principle. He's desiring a more cultivated form of existence, one that is dedicated to some higher values, right? And while he's not referring to any notion of transcendence here, well, we can see intimations of that in that conversion experience. Now check this out. His conversion actually happens, his proper conversion happens many years later because after this, he's experimenting with different ideas and worldviews. He becomes kind of a Manichaean, which is a sect, a very prominent sect during those times, becomes a Neoplatonist. And then only later, as found in Book 7 of the Confessions and Book 8, we see him converting to Christianity proper, right? He has this great conversion experience where one day he's sitting at a table and he hears a child in the neighboring garden repeating the words, take and read, take and read. He takes a scroll. It happens to be the scroll of the epistle to Romans that Paul wrote, opens chapter 13 and kind of gets converted, breaks down, starts crying in all of this. That is his proper conversion. But actually, his conversion story, his conversion experience begins much earlier at the moment when he doesn't even realize that he's being converted. As a matter of fact, the conversion has nothing to do with a conversion to religious faith. It has nothing to do with conversion to God. It is simply a conversion, well, for the lack of a better word, towards transcendence. Now, the writer M. Scott Peck, in his best-selling book, the Road Less Traveled, writes about grace as the power of serendipity, this presence of some sort of force and power that brings about, in a serendipitous way, that brings about healing and wholeness and conversion and peacefulness and all these good states and qualities of the soul. And so I believe that in Augustine's life, the story of his life, is actually a story about the power of serendipity and how that power of serendipity 
which is another term for grace, how it takes on many different shapes. The same thing happened, a similar thing happened in C.S. Lewis's life. For those of you who are familiar with his biography or perhaps even with his autobiography, Surprised by Joy, will remember that when he was a small kid, three or four years old, he experienced what he later on termed joy, or using the German word Sehnsucht, describing this longing for the something more, for the transcendent, right? And he talks about how for the rest of his life, he tried to understand that longing that he experienced, and he tried to recreate it or reinduce it, as it were, by reading northern mythologies and other kind of literature. Now, C.S. Lewis himself went through many stages, kind of going through different worldviews, if you if you wish, being a naturalist, a kind of crypto or pseudo-Freudian, and then eventually becoming later on Christian. But you see, his conversion experience, yes, it happened when he was older, but already there in his childhood, an important seed was planted, and it would not let go of C.S. Lewis. And this for me is absolutely amazing. How divine grace, this power of serendipity, works in our lives, even when we absolutely have no idea. As a matter of fact, someone could look at our lives from the outside, and he could see our choices and the way we spend our time and all of that, and look at us and say, well, he or she is not spiritual material. While at the same time, perhaps at that very moment, God is planting in some seeds, some important impulses are being created which we would never perhaps associate with any specific religious commitment, but which are awakening us perhaps to this unthematic transcendent, that longing for something more. And for me, I have to say, this is a message of comfort, right? About my own life and the life of others. It is a message of wonder. It is a message that invites me to recognize that God is working in all kinds of ways that we would not necessarily connect with specific religious terminology. The, the well-known theologian Karl Barth once noted that if God wants to speak to us through a communist or a dead dog, who are we to say that he cannot do that because God is free? God can do whatever he wants. And so God will use this and is using some of these, as I said, very unlikely sources. So this is then what I've learned from Augustine, the plurality, the vocabulary of conversion that is being expanded, very nuanced, very multi-layered, and helping me understand the different ways in which grace operates in our life, lives. So thank you very much. I would encourage you to pick up Augustine and the Confessions in case you haven't read the book and just read it. And I cannot but conclude with the opening statement that we find in the book where it says, You arouse us so that praising you may bring us joy because you have made us and drawn us to yourself. Yes, even in that moment, that moment when he picked up the Hortensius, he was drawing Augustine to himself. And a heart is unquiet until it rests in you. 
So uh, proper words, I think these are proper words to conclude this brief reflection on the importance of August in my life. And I wish you all the best. Live well, be courageous, and until soon.